Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number one, the very first episode of Junk Rares, the Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk about our experiences, magic news, playing Commander, and doing it on a budget. And also, we try and take over the world before the end of every episode. Does that make me pinky or the brain? I'm going to go with you're the brain. You're yeah. probably a little smarter between the two of us. All right. Well, that's fair. Thanks, buddy. Hey, anything for you. <laughs> uh, I'm one of your hosts, Jeffrey Daniel. Uh, our other host with us today, as he is every day. I'm Tyler Nichols. Good to see you guys. How you doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, obviously, I'm very, very excited to be doing our first episode of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, as you know, we got a good show lined up. We talked about it. We're excited. Um, but to start it all off, me and Jeff came up with this fun little idea to kick off every episode. Uh, our crack-a-pack, if you will, calling it Random Commander. We're going to pull up a random commander, and we are going to discuss what it does, how we think it would work, and generally just a good kickoff into the fact that we're big commander players here. Um, so, without further ado, three, two, one. Who'd we get? Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce that. Jaleva Nefalia's Scourge. Oh, she's the... My bad. She's the precon. She's uh, Mind Seas, the whole broken deck that had True Name Nemesis in it. Oh. Yeah. Um, I think you should put True Name Nemesis in this deck. <laughs> I think you should put True Name Nemesis in most things, especially if you're playing one-on-one. That's fair. Even, um, like, blue decks? Especially blue decks? <laughs> especially legacy blue decks playing Merfolk. That's fair. Um... Yeah, uh, I, I just see, you see most people play um, Nekazer from uh, this deck. She didn't really pull a lot of stuff. And a lot of people think, now that Narset came out, she's kind of bad. All right, but, uh, uh, so first, um, all right, so we have uh, Jaleva, uh, Nefalia Scourge. Uh, she is one blue, black, red. Uh, she is a one, three with flying. And when she enters the battlefield, each player exiles the top X cards of his or her library, where X is the amount of mana spent on Jaleva. Uh, whenever she attacks, uh, you may cast an instant or sorcery card exiled without paying its mana cost. Uh, so, you know, the more and more you cast her, the more and more cards she exiles, and whenever you attack with her, you can cast one of those things that got exiled. Well, you can cast one of the instants or sorceries. Right, um, right, right. And that's, I mean, obviously that's a really cool idea. I like the design space, casting things for free, especially uh, in Grixis. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of good cards in blue and black that are going to control the deck. But uh, it, it's hard to not agree with some of the things I've read that um, Narset does this, but just mm-hmm. better. Because uh, Narset hits the top four and just non-creature. And that makes a big difference is that... Uh, I've, what was her name? I completely can't. Blanked. Jaleva? No, not Jaleva. Um, Narset? Narset. I don't know why that popped right. out of my head. Just fell right out. <laughs> um, Narset has the ability to cast enchantments and planeswalkers, mm-hmm. so a lot of people think it can go in oh, other is it, ways. Is it just non-creatures? Yeah, because oh, okay. a lot of the Jeskai stuff was non-creatures, gotcha. where Jaleva is instant in sorcery specifically. Gotcha. Um, but obviously this is still a lot of fun. I don't think she gets enough love, because you could also be casting your... Uh, enemies deck mm-hmm. and uh in a game where the commander decks i think have done a good job of making cards interact in bigger games obviously a lot of the pre-cons work well in pods they definitely have a pod feel to them those mm-hmm. those base decks where uh narset 
it's a lot more of just playing what you want, and you can win one-on-one or just in a pod. So I definitely like that Jaleva stretches the boundaries a little bit and, like, oh, like, okay, so you killed her a couple times, but in your world that could be okay. Like, okay. Yeah, it just gets better. Yeah, I'm going to cast her for eight now. Everyone's going to exile the eight top eight cards of their library. And now if I'm in a four to five person pod, eight times four, like, uh, 32. 32, yeah. Almost messed up my math, too. Um, I'm not starting strong. You were definitely brain. I am totally pinky so far. <laughs> um, but for, but so, 32 cards in exile, you're going to hit some instant sorceries. Yeah. And it could be something good. Like, you're you're a green player. Like, what if I hit your tooth and nail? Yeah. I can cast it for free, but then also pay its entwine cost, because it's an extra cost. Yeah. And, oh, I'm going to cast an entwine tooth and nail for five and rip two things out of my deck. If That's awesome. If you're in a game of Commander and there's 32 cards in Exile that you can play and nothing good comes up, you should probably just clean up your cards and call it a day because you're having the worst luck in the world. Or you might just want to find a different play group. Maybe your friends suck. <laughs> so would you run her in a uh, control deck? I mean, is it, is it more aggressive or are you just, um, um, just kind of try to attack with her play big I mean, stuff? I mean, obviously you want... It's hard to not say good stuff, because mm-hmm. you might want to cast stuff for free, so it's very tempting to put in a lot of just big, dumb things you hope you hit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you're definitely trying to hit attack triggers with her, obviously, so a lot of the same Narset tech you're going to see in Jaleva, you're going to want Maze Viths mm-hmm. or uh, Aqueous Forms for Unblockable. Oh, just yeah. these things are going to... You want you want her to get... You don't want her to die, but right. then, because you have black, the plus side here is... Say you've exhausted your resource, because the difference between her and our set is she's got a finite resource. You've exiled these cards. Mm-hmm. If you've cast all of them, then her attacking doesn't do much for you, unless you're obviously on the verge of commander damage. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're, you're going to run out of these resources, so you're going to want a way to get rid of her and recast her, because you're going to want to mm-hmm. you're going to want to double down and get more things to cast. So the bonus here in black is that Black has a lot of sack outlets, mm-hmm. and things are going to sack well. And so and I would definitely make sure you run those types of things in Black and get some sort of value off getting rid of her. Okay. You don't want to just waste your kill spell on her yeah. just to double down. Yeah. Get some value off it. Run like a Viscera Sayer. Even if it's a scry, like sack a creature to scry one. Okay. Those free sack effects are going to be really cool. Or just... Hell, I'll run a Bone Splinters, uh, one black, sacrifice a creature's additional cost, destroy something else. You're putting Jaleva back in the command zone and taking something else off the board. That's the kind of value you're trying to get with her. And so, uh, I did. I've always liked her. I thought she was underappreciated. I would like to see more people play her. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would definitely build a good stuff deck in my world because, unlike Narset, you can't go really Voltron with it because yeah. she's instants and sorceries. Yeah. So you're going to want to play a lot of cards like these that are going to gain you advantage over other people. Like, God, wouldn't it be cool to hit, like, exile the top couple cards, hit, hit a cruel ultimatum? Yeah. Like, like, that'd be awesome. Like, these kind of these big dumb spells you can might be able to get away with casting. Yeah. And then, like, any other uh, uh, deck like Narset or something, like, in that realm, like a Melek or something, you're going to want to run... Uh, manipulation of the top of your deck so sure. that you can set up what you're exiling. So mm-hmm. your ponder, your brainstorm, your scroll rack, just all your just classics were like, okay, I'm about to cast a level. Let me stack the cop 
four or five cards in my deck, mm-hmm. make sure I hit my big dumb Cruel Amatum, or, oh, my, here's my free Omniscience now that I cast for free, and I'm just yeah. spitting everything out. So, good colors. Grixis is good for what she does. I think you can build her pretty effectively. Just a lot of people are afraid to build her over Narsex. They think Narsex is the better choice. But I do feel Jaleva has a lot to bring to the table, and I wish we would see more people who played her. Because personally, I've never played against the Jaleva deck, but I do like the commander. Yeah, that's fair. I'm sold. I I would definitely build one, you know, or at least look into it. So, seems good. Uh, for sure. Um, so now that our random commander segment is over, <clears throat> sorry about that, <clears throat> uh, let's move into telling you guys a little bit about ourselves. Um, obviously, you're going to want to know who you're listening to. Uh, so, once again, uh, I'm Tyler, and that's Jeff. Um, let's tell you, basically, let's, I mean, let's start from the beginning. Um, All right, so the, the beginning of this story, I think, probably starts uh, with me. Um, I started playing Magic uh, when I was maybe six or seven. Uh, my parents played, this, this was back in, I mean, maybe like 99. Um, like I said, my parents played uh, they were just, you know, just sitting at the kitchen table, just playing until, you know, 11, 12 o'clock at night. And I would just be sitting there and just watching them. I didn't really know what was going on, but they would just get into funny arguments and just, oh, it'd be great. Um, but I was I was really interested with the game. Uh, my dad had a white deck. My mom had a black deck. Um, and I just, I thought that just a lot of the interactions that were happening were, were always really cool. Um, you know, white had a lot of, like, the life gain whereas Black had a lot of the, like, steel life. Um, so the, the games were, were just really interesting. Um, so me and, me and my brother started to get into it. Uh, I think our, our cousin donated us just, like, just thousands of cards because uh, he played. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we would just build terrible, terrible decks. Uh, and we would play them, and we thought they were great, uh, mostly because we, we didn't know all the rules. Uh, we didn't know exactly how the cards worked. Uh, so certain things were just great. Um, you know, we we didn't know how the stack worked. We, you know, uh, so so many things fizzled, and I, I think that's a big thing with new players, is that just when you're not 100 percent sure on the game, you think you think a lot more spells just kind of don't happen than they actually do. Oh yeah, I, I love hearing some of your older stories about the way you guys used to play, <laughs> and as we've affectionately deemed it, uh, street rules magic. Just yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, one, one of my. Fa- I mean, I think everyone thinks about these things though. I mean, the classic. Just uh, uh, I'm going to cast this, oh, but in response, I'm going to molten rain, destroy your land. But now you don't have the mana. Your spell fizzles. Yeah, like that was the biggest thing. Red was just the best color. Like if you could just blow up their lands, they just couldn't. Like, Red got so many counter spells in Street Rules Magic. Just by blowing up, like, I'm going to take you off your resources and counter your spell. Why doesn't everybody not play, like... Exactly. Blue, Red is clearly the best reactive spell in the game. Exactly. Um, We had no idea what we were doing. I mean... My my favorite, one of my other favorite stories is... uh, the Blazing Salvo story. Oh. And uh, I'll, I'll, for those of you who don't know, I'll, I'll read the card, and I'll let Jeff tell the story of uh, Blazing Salvo. Uh, now, Blazing Salvo is a one... It's a red instant. costs one red. And uh, Blazing Salvo deals three damage to target creature. Unless that creature's controller has Blazing Salvo deal five damage to him or her. 
So obviously, to those of you out there that know magic, uh, I will lightning bolt your creature. But if you want to save it, you can take five instead. Now, in <laughs> in the mind of a young child, yeah. Blazing Salvo Red. <laughs> uh, so in, in street rules, and for the people that, uh, that didn't exactly know how to play, what that meant was deal three damage to target creature. Unless that creature's controller has Blazing Salvo, deal five damage to them. So you deal three damage to the creature, and if the opponent doesn't have a Blazing Salvo in their hand, you also just get to Lava Axe them. And I thought that was the best card in the game. I, I think it's the best card broken. in the game, period. Yeah, like, <laughs> if that was a card, just uh, one red, three to your creature, five to your face, yeah. I'm pretty sure Modern Burn would be even higher. Like, it's it's about tier one five now, but I'm pretty sure people would be banning... I think we'd see Blazing Salvo come out yeah. as the Wizard's Band Hammer if that was a legal card. Yeah. Just, uh, we, we only ever owned one. Restricted so and vintage and yeah. street rules, apparently. Yeah. It's too good. <laughs> yeah, we only... We only owned one, so I always made sure that I had them in my deck so my brother couldn't play them in his, so I could always get the five damage in. But uh, it was it was not until years later that we realized the, the fatal mistake that we were making all that time. We knew it was good, we just didn't realize exactly how broken it was. So That's awesome. Whoopsies. Um, so, but at some point in your childhood, you fell out. Yeah, yeah. Um... um we we kind of you know we we would play casually around the table and then just not not a lot of people we knew really played and eventually just when you have the same cards it just it gets boring uh, so so we fell out of it for a little while and uh, we started to get back into it uh, in like 2003 uh, when uh, Mirrodin came out uh, we really got into it just such an interesting set so many good cards like we were finally able to kind of build decks that were decent uh, and synergy yeah yeah instead of just blazing salvo yeah. i'm out of tricks dude like we learned how to play so we got a lot better uh we started going to fnms and stuff and i always i did okay you know maybe like two two most nights one three but i mean it, it was just well, I fun mean, i mean to a kid and his preteens i mean 500 i can't i yeah. can't blame you i mean we go to fnms now or we go to nights now and a majority of people at our local shop are 20 and older, like, it's, it's our age yeah. group. So, I mean, for a little kid to hold his own, even at 500 in that, I mean, you, I mean, clearly you're good now, so you, the talent was there. Yeah, I'm okay now. <laughs> I, that's probably the best way to put it. We're okay. <laughs> um, we don't play blue yet, so we can't be good just yet. It's not like you're going to see us at any uh, PTQs or anything. Hey man, or, or are we? I've I've been to a PTQ. You were with me, so it's equally your fault. I watched the, the <laughs> horror. Um, we'll get to that though, because obviously, then you said you played on and off. Yeah, yeah. and um, I think we should uh, to tell my story. Uh, my story, I think, kind of works in your um, second sunrise, so to say, mm-hmm. into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, what was it? It had, it's 2015. That was it January, 2014 or late 2013, 13. I want to say 13, 2013. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's been a while now. Um, right around 2013. Um, uh, I learned the game actually from Jeff and, uh, some mutual friends. Uh, the, the new age way more or less is, uh, I was bred 
this game on uh, Magic Duels of the Planeswalkers 2013 on the Xbox 360. Um, it was something to do. Uh, Jeff loved the game, kind of convinced most of us to buy it, mm-hmm. and that's that's how that's how I learned the game. And then uh, Magic 2014 came out. We all got that. We we played that a lot too. And it was around this time, late December 2013, early 2014, that. Uh, I got the bright idea. Well, if the game is so much fun <laughs> on on the Xbox with a limited card pool, well, the paper game has to be a blast, right? And and it is, and, and it <laughs> is. But that's a big, big problem because I specifically remember me telling you, uh, just being over at the apartment one day, and just I think I'm going to get into it, Jeff. Dude, don't do it. What? What? Don't do it. Dude, it's it's magic. I want to play. But if you do it, then you're going to spend all your money. What? No, I'm not. I'll buy some cards. We'll play. It'll be a blast. Uh, and I remember going over to his then-girlfriend's house, because I had just been at Barnes & Noble's with my then-girlfriend, uh, and I had a deck builder's toolkit from Barnes & Noble. Yeah. And I was very, very excited. Oh, it's going to be great. Like, oh, magic cards. Cool. Uh, brought them over. Jeff, look what I got. Brought out the deck builder's toolkit. All he looked <laughs> at me and said was, you've made such a huge mistake. There's, oh, God. Oh, what? A year later? <laughs> a year, five commander decks, a modern deck, a casual deck. Multiple deck boxes and probably a grand in expenditures later. Yeah. Here we sit recording a podcast. Yeah, we we went broke, so you guys don't have to. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> we'll do our best to tell you what to avoid. And uh, but uh, so that's that's really how I got into the game. Um, it was right around. It was post Theros coming out, but before Born was released. Yeah. So I don't know the specific timetable. We could probably look it up. But for those of you who know your dates and stuff, when I started playing Paper. Theros had come out. Mm-hmm. Born was on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, and this leads us to uh, the PP. The uh, it was it's it's PPTQs now. Yeah. At the time, it was just a PTQ, right? Because they hadn't changed the regional format. Um, two, three months into playing this game in person, yeah. probably maybe only eight weeks removed from tapping my Elvish Mystic to go tutor up a forest. Yeah. <laughs> Which the the pivotal mistake in all young magic players' careers. Mystics, Anilar Elves, and Fintorn Elves don't go search forests, kids. Yeah. Write it down. Yeah, they just add green mana. Otherwise those cards would be very, very good. What's a mana pool? <laughs> um <laughs> So only eight weeks removed from that, I thought, hey, there's this cool thing called a PTQ, Jeff. Oh, what's that? Oh, it's this it's this, I don't know, it's called limited, but I don't have to bring my own deck. So we should go. I should go do that because I don't have the money for an actual deck. So I should go do this because that'll be fun. I'll just play with cards I open, right? Like it'll be cool. Um, it was sealed. It was. It was yeah. sealed. Well, that's how the PTQs worked. Uh, they were sealed. Okay. And then the top eight actually did a draft. Right. So the so right, the right. final rounds were mm-hmm. a draft format. Mm-hmm. But the majority of the tournament was just whatever your sealed deck was. Yeah. It was basically like a grand scale pre-release except top eight drafted. Yeah. Um, and all I did was I went to the, we went, it was at, it was at a hotel in the outskirts of Chicago. And, uh, a little bit about me real quick. Um, 
I'm a, I'm white to the heart. Um, I love white. Most of my casual decks are white. My first commander deck I ever built was mono white. Um, but my favorite color combination, whether it be two, three, five color, single color, my favorite way to play is red white. And uh, so I went to this uh, sealed PTQ. Knowing that I was going to force red white, like I'm going to get some red, because I watched a little bit. Of, I think like Theros, like Pro Tour coverage or like GP. I watched something on YouTube like backlogs, and all I remember hearing is, "Oh, like red white's decent." Yeah. Like, so I'm seems, like, "Oh, seems easy." Yeah, I'm going to play my favorite <laughs> colors. Um, well, most people did that day, but the issue was I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and. For instance, the first set of cards you open, they hand you an open. That's not actually your deck. You're writing oh. that down to pass off to somebody else. That was the first big shock. I don't get to play these cards? This is terrible. Why did I spend $40 on this? But still, dedicated to forcing red-white. Uh, get my cards passed to me. Like, okay, what's this? A Perforos. This is going to be awesome. I'm so good. I got this bomb rare, and uh, luckily, someone told me it was a 40-card deck, or else I probably would have built a 60. Yeah. That would have been embarrassing. I just would have shuffled up all the boosters and just went for it. <laughs> yeah, this is fine, guys. I drew a token. It's free, right? <laughs> um, cash for zero? No CMC? Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, crack the perforos. That's all well and good. Uh, my favorite part about this, though, is there was a card with Tribute. Uh, Oracle of Bones. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the tribute mechanic, the tribute mechanic was when it came to Battlefield, your opponent got to make a decision. They could either choose to pay tribute, and the card would get counters equal to its tribute number, mm -hmm. or if they did not pay tribute, you got some other effect. Right. Um, like haste or... Yeah. Something like that. Exactly. Um... This card was, I don't remember, a three or four drop with some kind of uh, inconsequential body. And it had tribute three, though. So when it entered the battlefield, if your opponent paid tribute, you got three plus one plus one counters. All well and good. Well, in my head, the flip side of that card was if they did not pay tribute, you got to cast an instant or sorcery in your hand without paying its mana cost. Did you play a Blazing Salvo? I wish. I would have <laughs> slam dunked it. Um, but uh, in my head at the time, being a newer player, I had yet to understand or realize how powerful casting cards for free was in any scenario, and that most players worth their salt in almost every scenario will not let you cast a card for free. <laughs> But I was like, why would they let him get 3-3 three, three stronger? Now he's like, PT is above yeah. the CMC curve. They would never give me that. Um, little did I know they gave me that all day long. Yeah. But. I think they gave you something else all day long, too. <laughs> losses in the <laughs> loss column. Um, but I thought, well, I need some big, huge, flashy spell to cast for free. Because what's the point of playing this card if I don't have some value to hit off of it? And I need to surprise these players when they let me cast a card for free. I don't just want to be casting, like, Fall of the Hammer or something. That's lame. <laughs> so, 
proudly in my main deck of 40 at a sealed PTQ was the Theros Bomb Boulderfall. <laughs> and what does uh, what what Boulderfall do? I don't know its exact... I know it costs 8. I don't know the red breakdown. Mm. 8 drop for 5 damage. <laughs> now, you can divide that damage as you choose among any number of target creatures or players. Oh, super good. So... That was what I thought. Well, I could deal two to that creature, two to that creature, and one to your face, all for free, and I got a body left up. It was living the dream in my head. Little did I know that I would draw Boulderfall much more than I drew Oracle of Bones that day and stared an eight drop in my hand that did almost nothing. (laughs) The best part about this story, though, is when I was approximately somewhere in the two and six or two and seven pool... I played an opponent who had the same record, was doing equally bad, and I told him about my combo, just forthright, and we went to three games, and I casted an Oracle of Bones, and he looked at it, and he said, what the hell, I won't pay tribute. (laughs) What did I have in my hand? Boulderfall for the kill, because he was on like three or four life, so hey... I spent $40 to cast a boulder fall for free, and I still love that story. Would you do it again? Never. <laughs> Never in my life would I do it again. Never. I'll, I I think I should just, like, burn all my copies of boulder fall that I have in my jank just, just on principle. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um... There were some other, obviously, some other stories of us at the at the PTQ because uh, you played some commander that night yeah. uh, with some guys. But uh, before we get into those stories, um, obviously, I want you guys to know we're commander players. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of our, this cast will be about commander. We'll just it's just naturally what we talk about. Um, but bef- so we'll tell you about getting into commander. Uh, how we got into it, our first experiences with it, and that'll bring us back to the your PTQ story about playing Commander. Um, but before we go any farther, uh, I mentioned to you guys that I like white, my favorite pairing, regardless of whether it be one color, two color, five color, whatnot, is uh, red-white. So real quick, a little profile about ourselves. Um, at the one color level, I'm a mono-white guy, just one of my favorite colors. Two color level, Boros Legion, you know. We, we rally the troops, big red-white guy, uh, three-color, <clears throat> sticking with the theme, uh, Naya player, it's my favorite three-color combination, uh, and uh, Jeff, tell us about you and your inclinations for what you like to play. All right. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm i definitely a more, a more casual player. I, I like the game, uh, you know, just as a whole, um, but I, I don't really see myself... Uh, playing things outside of what I'm comfortable playing just because it's good. Um, I like green. Uh, I have always liked green. Uh, you know, who doesn't Who doesn't like, you know, giant six sixes for seven? It just seems good. Um, but, uh, yeah, if I had to, my, if I had to have a one-color deck, like I do in Commander, uh, it would be green. Uh, if I had to go two-color, could I just play, like, green, green? <laughs> Just more green cards? I'll double up. That's fine. I mean, that's kind of what your current commander deck does anyways. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Now, uh, not even like green red because you could play Blazing Saddle then in your green red decks. <laughs> that's right. Or Boulder Fall. Or Boulder Fall. That's right. <laughs> Commander Mana Reflection into Boulder Fall yeah. seems we're, good. We're doing it. We're get. We're doing it. Um, now maybe maybe green blue. Um, you know, still just the the ferocity of green, just the big guys. You know, just big dumb fatties, but also just being able to stop my opponent from whatever they're doing, uh, just so I can get in for you know just more damage. Um, or just draw more threats. Obviously, I mean, card draw obviously yeah, always good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely I I would say a Timmy uh, at heart. Um, just you know, yeah, winning's winning's fun. Yeah, combos are sort of fun and everything like that. But just who doesn't love just yeah? I have a thirty thirty. I don't care what you do. I have a thirty thirty. I win. Dice to Doomblade, dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's why I gotta play blue. Um, More blue. Yeah, I, I don't know if I fit myself in one of the psychological profiles, like uh, Timmy Johnny Spike. Like, can my psychological profile be like Craig Wesco? Like, <laughs> yeah, I just want, I want to be Craig Wesco. What, what's your favorite card? White one drops that are two ones. Yeah. Uh, Elite Vanguard, Soldier of the Pantheon, Mardu <laughs> Woe Reaper, Savannah Lions. That's my wheelhouse. Give me the. I think he's my spirit animal. Um. <laughs> But, I mean, do you got a three-color combination? I mean, obviously more green or, like, to branch out, I mean, adding blue. Are you, are you bant now? You want the white removal? You know, counter the spells, path to exile, yeah. and now drop big creatures? Or Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think I, I would have to go bant. I've never really thought about it. I've, this is a, I've, I've never. Or, or just play teamer. Green, uh. Green, blue, and now red, because now you could counter their spells, draw and, cards, and blazing salvo them. There you go. We, we're we're doing it. Um, no, I, I guess actually, I've I've always actually kind of liked Bant. Um, you know, just for what it does. You know, they have a, you know, the exalted, everything oh, like yeah. that. It just seems fun. If I'm going to be swinging with a big guy, I want him to be a bigger guy. So. That's fair, and uh, speaking of Bant and Exalted, one of my favorite mini-stories, just a quick one here, um, playing uh, at my LGS, playing in a commander tournament, one-on-one, playing a Rafik deck, Rafik of the Many, uh, he mm-hmm. costs one, white, green, blue, and for those of you who don't know, whenever somebody attacks alone, they get double strike. Um, now, actually, in all honesty, Rafik wasn't on the board in this game. But uh, he, he plays a, a Bant Rafik in Exalted build that revolves around uh, Infect. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you've played him too. Mm-hmm. Um, worst experience of mine... <laughs> the of, worst, of your life? Eh, maybe not of my life, but... Worst way to find out a card, card exists is when finding out that the card Putrefax exists. Oh, yeah. Yeah, three green green for a 5-3 with haste... Trample and infect, but sacrifice at end of step. Why did anybody tell me they made an infecting ball lightning? Like, that would have been relevant information to have in an mm-hmm. infect deck. I'm sitting there swinging out, like, he's got nothing. Got him at like three life, and he's just like, uh, putrefact, like, pump spell, pump spell, oh, Cathedral of War gets it to like a 12 10, and I'm just like, I guess you win. <laughs> What's that card again? Yeah. So it's it's not fun finding out Putrefax exists for the first time when on the receiving end of a Putrefax. Um, but uh, now, I mean, getting into our starts on Commander, 
Um, this was shortly after we started getting back into the game. Um, I didn't know if I wanted to play standard, modern, whatnot. Um, but I immediately fell in love with Commander very early on when me and you kind of, mm-hmm. when I got into it and you got restarted back into the paper game. Um, it, it struck me personally just because I've always, if anything, uh, if I were to attribute a psychological profile to myself, I love Vorthos. I love the story. I always kick around the idea of building decks based in a block or a story. Um, so even playing the uh, Duels of the Planeswalkers game, legendary creatures always struck me. And I just like them. I like that they have names. I like that they do special things. Um, there's always the story of when I've read a replication a friend's progenitus because I didn't know about the legend rule and proceeded to watch everybody's progenitus die, even though I thought I was being slick, casting five of them. Um, but obviously the format commander, a quick rundown for those you don't know. Commander is a format, 100 card singleton. Mm-hmm. One of those cards is your commander, as it were, and whatever Color. Is that why they named it that? I think so. Interesting. Um, <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> um, whatever colors your commander is, it forms the color identity of your deck, which means that if your commander is mono-white, the only cards that can be in your deck are white. No other activated abilities, no other, like, colors in the cost. White or colorless. Yeah, white or colorless. Um... And you pick a legendary creature, or uh, now with the release of Commander 14, five Planeswalkers. Right. Um, but just the idea of this person leading your deck, like having access to this card over and over again, very much struck me. And I brought it to you, and I told you all about it. I'm like, listen, I mean, you caught on real quick. I mean, you had a little bit of trouble at first <laughs> picking your commander. Yeah. Uh, even though in the end, you came back to the decision I told you right off the bat, which... I'm still a little upset at you about that, you know, told you, oh, you should run this commander. It's totally your playstyle. I don't know about that. Two, three weeks later, hey, look at my new commander. You SOB. <laughs> um, so right off the bat, though, we we both got into it. Um, now, does this mean our initial commander decks were good? Oh, God, no. Ooh, oh, God, no, no. definitely not. Um, if you guys want to know what my first commander deck was, go look through your cards, find 100 cards of a random color, shuffle them up, throw in some basics, and there you go. That's the deck, because that's really what I did. I found, I, I was looking through my legendary creatures, luckily I played during Kamigawa, so I had a ton. <laughs> I picked Patron of the Arachi, uh, and then just like 60 green cards, and that was it. And that was my deck. And, uh, yeah, we took that... Uh, well, it, it was 59 green cards and one Aether Vial. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be... That's relevant later. That, that will be relevant later. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, my first commander deck, as it were, was uh, I took the cheap way out, and I was like, I don't know who I want to build... But like other early players, um, I was a big fan of Life Gain. I mean, who isn't when they start? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot of trap people references, people falling into. Um, so I was looking at Commander websites, the Magic website, 
and I saw the precon deck that featured Oloro, the Ageless Aesthetic, who sits in his chair, doesn't come to the field, and just gains you life. And I was like, that seems awesome. Proceeded to buy that. Play Jeff's green pile, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I don't even think it's good stuff. I'm no. pretty sure it's just Jeff's yeah. green pile. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and when facing green pile... And not knowing, and not having a commander damage uh, sub game in his deck, his deck was just, oh, I hope I can kill you. Yeah. It's very hard to just kill Olora with a green pile. So we thought that deck was extremely busted. He's like, all you do is gain life. How many cards in that deck is of rare rarity? It was a lot. Well, yeah. <laughs> when you were playing like two rares, one of them being your commander, when you when you main deck giant growth, we might not be playing commander right. Um, <laughs> and now our podcast is called Junk Rares, and we slam a lot of rares in our decks. Yeah, and it has to be a very very good uncommon to find a place in the deck. Yeah. Um. So we went to. The PTQ, the aforementioned sealed PTQ, and in my downtime and his downtime, I had this Aloro deck, and he had his green patron pile deck. And this is one of my favorite stories uh, about one of the games you played while I was off playing sealed. So uh, yeah. fill us in. Yeah, he. Uh, we got there. Tyler abandoned me uh, to go play. Hey, I, I paid forty dollars. I wasn't gonna like pay the forty and then just sit there and not. That's you know, fair. Play. That's fair. I mean, you kind of did that already. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did go two and eight or three and seven something. <laughs> it, it was like I didn't play. Yeah. Um. So we got there. Um, Tyler went to go play in the event. So I was just walking around trying to find random people uh, to play Commander with. Because I was really excited to play. I thought my deck was okay. Uh, so I, I kind of I go up to this guy and I'm like, hey, you know, do you play Commander? Um, and uh, he was sitting there with his buddies and he was like, oh, yeah, sure, sure, I play. And I was like, oh, do you want to do like a one-on-one game? You know, his friends were, were doing some other stuff. Um, so yeah, so we played a one-on-one game. Um so, so keep in mind, I have a 100-card deck, just complete, just jank, just terrible cards, you know, not sleeved up, not, like, just, who cares? It's just a bunch of dumb, bad cards. It was like Street Rules Magical over again. No <laughs> sleeves, no playmats, good to oh, go. yeah. So this guy, I mean, you know, just takes out, just lays the playmat down, has the dice, I have to borrow dice from him, just... Just completely sleeved up, like has his commander encased in like a safety vault, like. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, all right, like, I, I didn't realize this game was that serious. I didn't, I didn't think a lot of people put that much money towards it. Um, Little did we know. Yeah. Um, and so we're we're sitting there playing. Um, you know, we get like a few turns in, and I draw a card, I tap one forest, and I play it. And it's Aether Vial, uh, which for those of you that don't know, it's it's an artifact, it costs one, and pretty much every upkeep you put a counter on it, and you can tap the Aether Vial to play something from your hand and to play for free that has the CMC equal to the number of counters on it. And for those of you who don't know, this is a very <laughs> pivotal card in uh, modern and legacy merfolk. Um because it lets you leave up blue for counter spells while still playing your threats. Yeah. 
but uh, to me it was just a way I could just play cards easier. Uh, so I, you know, I, I told the guy beforehand, you know, oh, my deck's maybe not that great, but uh, <laughs> I, I play out the Aether Vial. He looks at it, looks me in the eye, and goes, you're playing Aether Vial, unsleeved, you are a casual. Alright, dude. Like <laughs> Yeah. I mean I'm sorry. In his defense He wasn't wrong. Oh yeah, no, I, that was the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. It's like that old like big Lebowski quote, just <laughs> You're not wrong, Walter. You're just an a hole. Yeah. Like just playing playing sixteen seventeen dollar eternal format staples unsleeved, no playmat. Yeah, no. To cast big green creatures, because hopefully your Aether Vial sits there undisturbed for six to seven turns, so you can cheat in those yeah. six, seven... Terra Stomper for free! <laughs> yeah, that was the plan. That was the plan. Except I didn't have Terra Stomper or anything that good. <laughs> so. When you don't have anything as good as Terra Stomper, again, yeah. I'm pretty sure that it's back to the pile. <laughs> um, and so that game went terribly. Um, just we... He just stomped me in, like, six or seven turns. I was just dead. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was just like, all right, yeah, you know, I, I have a deck that's a little bit more casual than that if you want to try that out. Oh, sure. Six or seven turns just stomped me. And I was just like, <laughs> he, he he also had a green deck. I don't remember his commander. Um, but uh, just he had so much ramp, just so many just cards that just let him play so many things. Well, I was just sitting there, just trying to cast Aether Vial, and uh, yeah, just just absolutely wrecked me. And then just after that, he didn't want to play with me anymore. He was, I just don't, I don't know if he decided just he was wasting his time, but he just got up and left. No goodbye. I I don't remember. I don't think so. <laughs> just just just, pick, just shaking his head sorrowly as, yeah. he just, as he shuffled away. Yeah, just just, and I'm just sitting there trying to frantically like remember all the cards he played. Just, like, trying to, like, sneak pictures of his board so I could remember the names, so I could look them up later and build the deck. Actually play good cards? Yeah. Um, <laughs> my other favorite story... That that day ended up with a lot of good stories. Um, one of the other ones being is that's where I I bought some cards at the vendors that were there. And uh, it's a quick story, but it's one of my favorites. Is uh, buying a Felidar Sovereign for that Oloro Precon deck. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, uh, four white-white. For a four six with a lifelink, mm-hmm. uh, just a big old cat creature, and uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, if you have forty or more life, you just win the game. Now, to Jeffrey at the time with his green pile already being oppressed by the Oloro Precon deck, the addition of the Felidar Sovereign was just too much. Yeah. And all I remember is, oh, I bought this card, put it in Oloro. <laughs> a couple turns later, our first game with that in the deck. Casting Paladar Sovereign for the win. And forever the meme in our group, hashtag WinCatWins. Yeah. It, it was just, there was no way around it. Like, he played it out. I mean, I'm just sitting there just playing a bunch of dumb green cards. Green doesn't have any way to get rid of creatures, according to me one year ago. <laughs> so I just sat there, and I just looked at it, just trying to look intimidating. Like, yeah, all right, swing for two. All right, you're at 78. All right, yeah, you win. <laughs> Alaro doing what he does best, especially when you don't have any way to really interact with him. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, God, to, to look back to that PTQ and just think of all the things that happened and where we were at compared yeah. to where we are where we are now, confident enough in our abilities to, to host a podcast. Um, yeah. we, we've come a long way, and uh, it's a lot of fun. And you know we want uh, we want you guys to to come a long way too. Uh, we we figure some of you guys out there, you know, probably interested in Commander, maybe want to get into it. Um, and and luckily, uh, you don't have to go through the same thing I went through. Um, you know, they have now, like Tyler mentioned, he got his precon deck. Uh, we just very recently, maybe a couple months ago, um, had the Commander twenty fourteen uh, decks come out, uh, each featuring. A planeswalker that you can use as your commander. Uh, so today we thought it'd be pretty cool uh, if we if we took a look at one of those decks. You know, you can probably still find them, maybe like thirty, thirty-five bucks. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, you can definitely get them for MSRP if you mm-hmm. can find them at your Targets, your WalMarts. Um, definitely disclaimer though, um, a lot of more experienced players uh, snap up some of the better decks. So, uh, when I, when I'm out, I see the black and green one tend to still be hanging around a bunch, but I mean, check that's, that's, you see a lot of those getting picked up at Walmart and uh, other places in my experience, but, uh, at least here in town by us, um, target seems to stay pretty well stocked with all of them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, just for those of you out there that might want to pick them up, uh, if you have a target around you, check. And it's it might just be uh, you know phenomenon to my town, but Target still seems to have all of them. Um, but being as I told you, I was a big white player, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, we actually never got a chance to talk about our first decks. We ended up building th- with real commanders, but uh, we'd like to talk to you guys about. C14, and uh, what I did with definitely some help from Jeff keeping me budget-minded before, you know, eventually I just ignore him and buy the cards anyways, <laughs> which is why I'm as much into the game as I am. Yeah. But uh, being a white player, I was definitely very interested in the C14 deck, uh, Forged in Stone, mm-hmm. uh, the commander of which that I still run the base commander, uh, the Planeswalker Nahiri the Lithomancer. Uh, she casts for three white-white, comes in with three loyalty counters, and uh, I love her abilities. I think her abilities are awesome. They're pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, plus two to make a 1-1 one, one white core soldier creature token onto the battlefield. Uh, you may attach an equipment you control to it. For so, free? Yeah, for free. Right. So right off Sweet. the bat, I mean, protects herself, making tokens, um, and then you get to just attach equipment to them for free, you know, getting around those equip costs. Um, minus two, she, you may put an equipment card from your hand or graveyard onto the battlefield, which... I'm, sen- I'm sensing a theme here. Yeah, something with equipments, I yeah. think. Ma- I mean, Lithomancer, uh, maybe, yeah. maybe. Um, now, in all honesty, in my days and times piloting this deck, mm-hmm. um, God, sometimes that minus two is the biggest life-saving ability she has. I almost like I almost like her minus more because uh, the first part of her minus is Stoneforge's uh, activated ability where you can put an equipment from your hand on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. But it's that second part. It's, it's pulling something back from the graveyard. I've done it countless times. 
people for either forget about it mm-hmm. that she can do it or I mean it it to know that unless they manage to exile one of your equipments that you can bring it back for free and then just repay its equip cost and if you're playing a certain hero build maybe not even do that yeah. um that that ability in my experience is can be absolutely backbreaking cuz somebody thinks they saved themselves yeah by getting rid of this big bad equipment only to maybe save themselves for a turn before yeah. I just bring it back. So, so what's her what's her ultimate? Is it also equipment based? I, I believe so, but let's double check, Jeff. <laughs> uh, for the whopping cost of minus ten, she creates a colorless equipment token named the Stoneforge Blade. Oh. The equipment has the equipment itself is indestructible. Oh. And the equipped creature gets plus five, plus five, and double strike. And bonus, it equips for zero. Oh. Yeah. So clearly, Nahiri is very equipment-based, as you can see. Um, And I'm sure just by flicking through the deck, the base deck, most of you will see that. She comes with a lot of equipments. uh, But there's definitely also a very token-y sub-theme to Nahiri. Um... Because she wants to ladle her equipment onto tokens. Mm-hmm. Um, now, on the budget uh, that one might have, then the lower end, uh, the, the base deck is very, very powerful on its own. I was a big fan of it. It played well. I think it piloted even more oppressively, to mm-hmm. be honest, than when I played the Oloro Precon. The Oloro Precon was good, but... Yeah. Being an Esper and being a deck that Wizards has to put out that anybody can play, three colors almost pulls it in too many directions. Um, Nahiri being just white, putting some of the best of the best white cards in with equipments, uh, very, very good, very streamlined. The deck knows what it wants to do, easy to pilot, and who doesn't like equipments? I mean, you play them, you equip them, and then if your creature dies, unlike an aura... It stays in the battlefield. So just make more tokens. And that's that was very much the idea. And uh, I altered a little bit. I mean, I, I obviously put better equipments in. I maximized the equipment theme. Mm-hmm. But uh, me personally, I mean, I took out some of the big things that were in the deck. I mean, Angel of the Dire Hour, Sunblast Angel, uh, just big... Big cards like that with these six, seven costs. Um, yeah. Although they can be powerful, I'd rather just make my little guy powerful with the equipments. Like that's what equipments do. Oh, definitely. They, they make something powerful. So just um, if so, my Nihiri build ended up being not so much tokens though, as it ended up being strong low drop creatures. Mixed with her ability to make tokens, and I kept the white sun zenith in just because that can be powerful. Mm-hmm. So, to jump into some of the uh, more budget cards that uh, I added to the Nahiri build, where, like I said, I tried to cut big things that were very narrow, like Sunblast Angel and yeah. Angel of the Dire Hour, uh, Articare Valkyrie, very good card. I like it, just not what this deck wants to be doing. Um, so I would recommend some of these lower cost cards that do that do powerful things or that when built upon make them even uh better. 
And all of these cards are under $5. Um, from, speaking of Kamigawa, going back to your past, oh, sure. uh, good target just to ladle up, uh, Isamaru, Hound of Kanda, one white for a 2-2. Power creep, man. Power. Oh, so good. We had bears in my day, and then a couple months after that day, we had 2-2s for one. So. <laughs> I mean, it's still the only one-drop 2-2 that's ever been printed at Vanilla, I believe, without yeah. any sort of... But, I mean, he's legendary. That's fair. Um, but just that return, um, like, do I want to be playing a card that's a 1-1 and gets maybe a token? That's all well and good. But that one-drop 2-2, I mean, you know, I'm in... You know, Commander Singleton anyways, so you're not worried about him being legendary. You yeah. only get to play one of him anyways. Yeah. You just want that you want that high end return. I'm mm-hmm. paying a small amount of mana and getting a solid body to start building on. Uh in that same vein, uh there's a creature called the Court Homunculus. It's a one drop one one artifact creature. But with the caveat that he gets plus one plus one as long as you control another artifact. So it's like a one-drop 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, you're going to be playing equipment. It's already going to be out there. It's what you want to put on him. So when your equipment just being on the field without him being equipped, one-drop 2-2. Two, two. Same thing as Isamaru, same idea. Sure. Uh, following along the idea, uh, Student of Warfare from the Zendikar block. I don't know which, yeah, I don't know which, I don't know which set it was specifically in. Uh, it's a one-drop 1-1. One, one. But it has the level up mechanic, and so for one white at sorcery speed, you can add a level to it, and based on what level it is, it gets different abilities. So one white, but then for leveling it up to just level two, it immediately goes to a 3-3 three, three with first strike. So to think about it in a different sense, if it was a two drop, for white white, I have a 3-3 three, three with first strike. Mm-hmm. Low cost, good return on the PT, and it has an ability tacked on. First strike, that's awesome. I mean, yep. It makes it more powerful. Yep. Uh, sticking in that theme, uh, Sarah Avenger, uh, white, white for a 3 3 with flying and vigilance. The catch is you can't cast the card on the first, second, or third turn, but spend that time getting your equipments out, you right. know, setting up your board, right. and then you drop the low mana cost. Already has an evasion, yep. it's not going to tap down, it's a 3 3. Yep. Very strong card. On your, I, I think by the time, I mean, if you cast this on your fourth turn, you probably already have another equipment out there. So you cast it down, you're playing a 3-3 three, three with Flying and Vigilance, and then you can use that other two mana you have left over to throw something on her. So by the time that the turn gets passed back to you, you have a 5-5 five, five Flying Vigilance, a 4-4. Four, four. I mean... Oh, absolutely. So. That, that card has been an all-star for me. I like it in most scenarios. The evasion especially helps. Mm-hmm. Um, another two drop, um, fencing ace, uh, one and a white for a one, one, but he has double strike. Um, I'm a big fan just because I obviously run lots of equipments and they do a lot of cool things, but there's not as many that give double strike as you think. Mm -hmm. So just having this body that already has double strike has proven to be very, very effective in my games that... I make it big, and then double strike is just such a ridiculous mechanic. Yeah. Um, another good body, uh, Oriok Sun Chaser. One and a white for a 1-1. Uh, one, one. 
but it has metal craft, which if I have three or more artifacts on the field, doesn't necessarily have to be equipment. So mana ramp, uh, ancient den as an artifact land can trigger it. Uh, it gets plus two, plus two in flying. So it's in the same uh, vein as uh, the Sarah Avenger. Yeah. Two drop, three, three with flying. Sure. Doesn't have vigilance, but cheap, even cheaper than the Avenger. Yeah. Good card, good body. And if you want to play it out turn two or three, you can. Exactly. You don't have to wait on it. Um, and now another card that a lot of people might not necessarily consider, but I absolutely love in this deck. <laughs> I love drawing it. It has won me games. Definitely. Some, some will say it might be a little cheap, but hey, it's awesome in an equipment-based deck where you have ways to get through. Uh, Lost Leonin, 2-drop, two 2-1, two but it has Infect, and that is awesome. Yeah. Just Infect is good. Yeah, and then, you know, in one, you know, can I, should I hit you with my giant beater to get you down from 40 or more, or do I get you up to 10 poison, because yeah. I have Voltroned him up to 10 power. Like, yeah. super easy to do, quicker clock on the game. And just people don't people don't ex, don't, people don't think about two drop two ones with infect and commander a lot. So, um, but the card that's sitting right around the four to five dollar range, I believe, so right on the higher end of this gap. But the card that I will above all else tell anybody to invest the four to five dollars in. Obviously, there's some really high end twenty dollar cards that you can get for this deck. Things like Stoneforge Mystic. Things that are going to run you a lot of money. Under $5, absolute all-star in this deck when you draw it. Two-drop, two-two, the one, the only, the Pure Steel Paladin. Um, absolutely bonkers in this deck, makes the deck run. Um, he reads that whenever an equipment enters the battlefield under your control, you may draw a card. So he's got kind of like that Enchantress effect, yeah. like uh, Mason Enchantress, uh, Core Spirit Dancer, mm-hmm. except it's in relations to equipments which is what you're doing in Nahiri. You're casting equipments, and now for each equipment to come with a cantrip... You're drawing more cards, playing more equipment. Exactly, and and that is... I can't even begin to speak to how powerful that is in white. Playing as much white as I do in Commander, you don't draw many cards. Um, And, I mean... I mean, you read them their other ability. I mean, it gets better and better. Yeah. Uh, not only uh, are you drawing cards whenever you're playing equipments, uh, he has Metalcraft. Uh, so if you have the three or more artifacts, which you probably are going to pretty soon since you're playing an equipment deck, uh, equipments you control, their equip cost is now zero. So you're just sitting there equipping your things for free. Um, you know... It's uh, it's something, you know, usually the equip costs are pretty cheap, um, but making it even cheaper is just better. Oh, yeah, I mean, you've, you've been on the receiving end of me playing this car, and it just it just makes the deck run just a better engine. It's, it just makes the deck run so much smoother, and you, you like seeing it on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are definitely some budget ads, like, for cheaper creatures, so you can cut out some of those bigger things. Um, because... Uh, I play those creatures. Um, one of the, I guess you could call it tech that you don't necessarily need to run, but I like it. I think it's a surprise. Uh, from M15, because a lot of these creatures cost two and less, mm-hmm. I run the card uh, Return to the Ranks. X, white, white. 
Also has Convoke. Sometimes relevant. Yeah. But X White White. Uh, return X target creature cards with CMC two or less from my graveyard to the battlefield. So for three, I can bring back one, two, two. So for four, I can bring back two things. For cast it for five to rip back three of these creatures that I yeah. just talked about. Like it's bonkers and it's very powerful and it resets my board, especially if I get wrath or something of that effect. Um. So what do you have in the way, uh, so we've been talking about creatures, what do you have in the way of uh, just the equipment that you're going to be putting on Oh yeah, just, just just to add in some of the, the cheaper equipments that you can add to this deck. Um, just plain and simple, uh, Dark Steel Axe and its predecessor, uh, Bone Splitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, cheat for just big, big power boosts. I mean, Bone Splitter, one to cast, one to equip, plus two, plus oh. Dark Steel, one to cast, two to equip, plus two, plus oh. Dark Steel happens to be indestructible too. Not always irrelevant, uh, which is good. Um, so just cheap, cheap equipment with big gains, especially since I'm playing, like I said, I'm trying to play these low bodies with decent uh, power toughness return for what I'm casting them for. Mm-hmm. And just to get big at that low speed can put you ahead in the early game. Oh yeah, definitely with all the guys with first strike or double strike. I mean, it's just, it's great. Your your little guys aren't going to be dying once you give them this sort of power boost. Oh yeah, I mean, and the the actual deck itself does a pretty good job of like giving you things like that. Like, I'm a big fan of the Strata Scythe. I mean, that that card can be absolutely ridiculous yeah Yeah, uh three drop when it comes into play you imprint a basic from your library and then you're when you equip the creature gets plus one plus one for you know each type of basic on the field like that um yeah so you're gonna you're gonna play that go you know uh exile a plane in the mono white deck obviously um and then it's probably i mean if you have five planes out there you guys have getting plus five plus five and god forbid any of your opponents are also playing white and they have planes on the battlefield it sees those too it just yeah. says it says basics on the field not yeah. just that you control um it's an all-star in the deck um i'm a big fan of a prowler's helm doesn't boost anyone but casts for two equips for two and it says they can't be blocked except by walls. And I've yet to run yeah. into a commander deck playing walls. Yeah. So playing this equipment that you get the ability to almost make your guy unblockable is huge. Especially when I'm playing something like the Lost Leonin with the Infect to make sure they get through. Um, I personally, I love the flavor. I know you do too. And they're not expensive. And on a budget, they're powerful. Yeah. Uh, I am playing the threefold equipment of the Helm of Cauldra, Sword of Cauldra, and Shield of Cauldra. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're a lot of fun. Um, they're all pretty reasonable in terms of cast cost and equip cost. Mm-hmm. Um, the Helm gives the creature first strike, trample haste. The sword gives them plus five, plus five. <laughs> and it has the uh, added effect of, it's kind of like death touch, but as you affectionately call it, exile touch. Yeah. Uh, any creature that it deals damage to, it just exiles. Yeah. Which makes the creature a blocking nightmare as well, especially yeah. if you're putting it on a creature with vigilance or something. Like, I don't want to run my guy into a creature that, even if it's bigger, which it might not, it's normally not in Nahiri. Yeah. Um... To, I'm going to exile your guy, which no one wants to, you know, smash their guys into that. 
Uh, Shield of Cauldra makes the creature itself indestructible, and the equipment itself is indestructible, which is huge, because sometimes if you're ladling up this guy with your equipment, so you've spent the mana to equip it, you got your guy, you're beaten face with him, you don't want to eat a Doom Blade or a Sword to Plowshares or a Path to Exile. I mean, those were still... Exile, yeah, but... that, that's my bad. Uh, but just, just black kill spells in general, or just things like that. I mean, you don't want your guy to just die to a Wrath, or even a Wrath. Like, oh, yeah. Wrath of God, well... Yeah. Oh, no, like, my guy's going to live through that because he's indestructible. Mm -hmm. Um, And (laughs) say you get these out, but you don't have a creature. Yeah. They do have the fun ability of the Helm of Cauldra for one colorless. If you happen to also control the sword and shield, uh, the Helm will put a 4-4 colorless avatar legend token named Cauldra into play. So that's a cool backup plan. Like, say you do get Wrath. You don't equip the shield in time. Yeah. Oh, but I have all three equipments. For one colorless, I get a base 4-4, and then you attach all the equipments to it for free. Oh. So for that one mana, you now... Culture was a badass. Apparently, because you now have a 9-9 that is indestructible, has exile touch, first strike, trample, and haste. That's rough. Um... I added the uh, card from Theros, mm-hmm. uh, or Theros set, the Journey into Nyx set, Theros block. Yeah. Mix right. those two words up. Uh, Godsend, uh, one white, white equipment, equips for three, gives the creature plus three, plus three, and uh, an even better exile touch. <laughs> it gives it preemptive exile touch. Yeah. Uh, whenever the creature blocks or is blocked by a creature, uh, I can exile one of the creatures blocking it, yeah. or that it's blocking. So damage you, doesn't, the damage doesn't even get done. Yeah, it's like pre-even first strike combat phase. It's, yeah. it's I don't know what you would call it, light speed combat. I don't know. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> um, so uh, cards like these that are just cheap and give you a decent boost. Um, uh, another good one. Uh, I'm actually not a hundred percent sure on the price. Uh, we can look that up as we talk to you about it. Um, I'll let Jeffrey read it to you as I look this up. Sure. Uh, so this is Grafted Exoskeleton. Uh, it costs four, uh, and the equipped cost is two. And the equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and has infect. Uh, and then it kind of has the downside of um, when it becomes unattached from something, you have to sacrifice the permanent. Uh, so the idea is it's the grafted exoskeleton. Yeah, you can't take off something grafted to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's 25 cents. Oh, so great. Another card that I like to add to this deck, just because this is the type of equipment that I hold in my hand mm-hmm. until I have a path cleared. Mm-hmm. And then if I can drop and equip this, oh, now my guy has an attack. Uh, in fact... Yeah. Deal 10 to you, you lose. Yeah, you're dead. Woo. Yeah, so my, my, my version of casting Putrefax is <laughs> casting a uh, surprise grafted exoskeleton. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah. I mean, you can you can upgrade this deck for not a lot of money. I mean, all, none of these cards are over five bucks. I don't even think that many of them are in that four to five range. Some of them are even cheaper than that. Yeah. So this deck is very, very upgradable for nothing more than twenty to thirty dollars. There's a lot of good equipment enablers in EDH because equipments in general, 
as a theme, a tired deck themed around it. Doesn't really see much eternal play. So there's a lot of good options uh, for cheap. Um, another uh, fun creature that's uh, you could slot into this deck is uh, the Loxodon Punisher. Uh, he costs a little more, but he's got a real fun ability. Uh, I like him. I've actually never got to cast him in a game. That's a shame. It, it's a big shame, <laughs> but he's a blast. Uh, Loxodon Punisher is a 4-drop 2-2, two, two, and he gets plus 2, plus 2 for each equipment attached to him. So on top of whatever the equipment gets, he gets plus 2, plus 2 just for it being on there. And that's another, like, 30-cent card. Yeah. Nothing extravagant. He's good for the deck. And, you know, if you manage to get him to be the one you ladle up, you're going to get out of hand fast. So you said you said he was 30 cents? Right in that range. Would you call him a junk rare? I think I would call him a junk rare. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, not so much junk rare, but still very cheap. Still under our $5 range. Of all the things I've listed, uh, the cards that I would, you know, probably most tell you to add are, like I said, the Pure Steel Paladin. But probably number two, right after him, in terms of what you should be adding to this deck for the under five range, is uh, the card uh, Stone Hewer Giant. Um, if you can resolve him, I see. If you can resolve him and have him stick around, I feel it's very hard for you to almost lose the game. Yeah. Uh, he's three white, white mm-hmm. for a four, four with vigilance. Okay. Already a solid body. Yeah. That's, as a vanilla test, I'd play it. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. Um, But here's where he just is ridiculous. For one white and tap him, you search your library for any equipment and just attach it to a creature on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. You don't have to pay its casting cost. You don't have to pay its equip cost. You just pull it right from your deck and equip it right onto a creature. And that's where, for those of you who not don't see the trick right away, uh, with Vigilance, you can declare him as an attacker. So he, he's officially attacking. Oh, yeah. Hasn't been tapped. Yeah. And before they declare blockers, you can retain priority, tap him. After, put, after they declare blockers, right? Or before. You can do before. Well, you, yeah, sure. you could let them declare blockers sure, sure. if you wanted to kill their creature, too. Sure. Um, but if you want to go get, like, Prowler's Helm to make sure that he couldn't be blocked, you do it before oh, okay. blockers. So, okay. so just depending on the situation, yeah, yeah, yeah. either or. So because he doesn't tap and you attack him because of Vigilance, mm-hmm. after he's been declared as attacker, you can activate his ability and yeah. just go put an equipment on him for free. And that is absolutely backbreaking, yeah. especially if you do want to, like, oh, you didn't block him? Go get my grafted exoskeleton. You have six infect <laughs> damage on you. Yeah. Or just like go get something big one turn yeah. and then next turn go get my grafted exoskeleton. You You're know, dead. Strata scythe or something. Oh yeah. If you just want to deal like fifteen or so yeah. damage. For two fifty, that card is an all star in this deck. Um <clears throat> I mean there's some other things that uh that I like. Um that I mean, you can probably uh, figure out yourself. Uh, simple ones: uh, Oriac Steel Shaper, one in a white, one one. But he makes equips cost one less. Speed up the deck. That's relevant. Um. Uh, now getting in the above range, um, it's eight dollars. Very very good. Um, if if you were gonna 
you know, want to drop a little bit of money. Yeah, just, I mean, $3 more, it's not huge. Now, we get that once you start buying, those numbers start adding. We've yeah. we've <laughs> been there. Oh, $2 card? Yeah, give it to me. $2 card? Yeah, give it to me. 10, 15, 20 cards later, my total's what? Um, <laughs> but an $8 card, very, very good in the deck. Uh, one and a white for a 2-2. It's a bear, solid body. Uh, the lean in Shikari, but the power being in its effect... You may play equip abilities anytime you can cast an instant. Um, this makes blocking any of your creatures an absolute nightmare. Oh, yeah. You hold up the mana, and I'm like, oh, in response to your kill spell or whatnot, I'll bounce my equipments around. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It in, yeah. I, I've resolved this with the Pierce Steel Paladin, who can make things cost <laughs> zero. Yeah. I can now rem- bounce around <laughs> my equipments at instant speed at no cost to myself. Very, very powerful. Very, very good. Uh, I'd recommend spending the couple extra dollars to pick this up. Yeah. Um, obviously, you're going to want to obviously toolbox a little. You're going to want... There's some good cards in uh, Nahiri already. Like, uh, uh, it's the four drop that you can uh, exile an artifact or enchantment. But if you do it, it's a return to dust. Yeah, it's an instant for four. You can exile an artifact or enchantment. But if you choose to do it at sorcery speed on one of your main phases, you get two things. Oh, sure. So it's like a disenchant. Yeah. But if you choose to cast it at slower speed, you get... It's like a... It's basically disenchant double. Sure. Um, so that's a good card I'd leave in. It's utility. Um, I would add probably a path to exile swords to plowshares to your deck. Yeah. One white to exile a creature is... Phenomenal and commander, you will never not find a target for it. It yeah. gets rid of, it gets it gets rid of indestructible creatures at one white. Easily the best target removable available in Magic. Uh, depending on what uh, set you pick up, the card is going to range from between two to five. Like the older versions cost more, but mm-hmm. you can you can find them uh, pretty cheap. Uh, if you want to, I'm playing it. Uh, dispatch uh, one white to tap a creature. But with Metal Craft, if you're controlling three or more artifacts, it exiles that creature. So it just gives you a third Swords to Path effect as long as you meet the requirement. And in most games, you will. Yeah. So just another fantastic removal spell. Um, I'm playing the Artifact Land, the White Artifact Land, Ancient Den. It's yeah. no different than playing a Plains. Yeah. And if you can get an extra Metal Craft you know, count to your metal craft or just something that cares about artifacts. Why not? Doesn't come in tap. No harm. Possibly an upside. Uh, Oblivion Ring, Banishing Light. Just more utility for your deck uh, that wasn't included. Um, <coughs> uh, another real good card for the deck, considering you're running equipments, uh, Steel Shaper's Gift. Uh, one white to tutor up an equipment into your hand. Um... I mean, again, it's just another thing. Oh, I draw this. I'll go get my Graph the Exoskeleton to sneak it in. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's three. It's about $3. It's under that 5 range, so it's it's worth it. Uh, tutors normally are, and tutors that are worth under $5 are rare to come by. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, granted, it's a little narrow getting just equipments, but it's what your deck wants to do. Exactly. It's a good ad. Exactly. Um, now, on the higher end of the spectrum, if you really wanted to... Uh, get into it. Um, there are some cards that you can add. Now, these are going to all be 10 and above. And, uh, I mean, 
Obviously, they're very, very good cards. Mm-hmm. We recommend them. But for those who aren't playing on a budget, it's completely understandable to not have these cards. Yeah. We definitely... I definitely live by the rule. You'll definitely see with your decks over time, budget creep will start to happen. You'll sit there. You'll buy You'll buy your deck, you know, $30, $35. And you think to yourself, okay, like I'll, I'll get like a dollar, you know, a couple dollar cards. And then a week later, you're like, well, you know, the deck's worth like 50 bucks now. I'll, I'll add like a couple, like two or three dollar cards. And then you get to the point where your deck's, you know, worth a little bit of money. You're like, ah, maybe I'll pick up, you know, some, some like five, six dollar cards. And then eventually it gets to the point where it doesn't matter what it costs. You're just buying it. Then you start buying cards like and, Berserk. Yeah, you don't need to <clears throat> pay rent or anything. That's silly. You gotta play EDH. So, <laughs> uh, Very true. Um, with that in mind, obviously all ten sort of blank and blank cards very, very powerful. Is there only five? I think there's only five. There was ten. They should make five more. I think the they have the allied color pair, right? I or think is, so. No, it's enemies. Oh, yeah, nice. red and yeah. white, black and green. Yeah. I thought there was ten. No, they never made the allies. I think they should. I think that'd be awesome. Should, yeah, let's break more cards. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, all the swords are very good. Um, in the 15-16 range, uh, the card Enlightened Tutor, it's a white tutor that can go look for an artifact or enchantment. So if you don't necessarily need an equipment, you can just go get an, any artifact. Uh, obviously, it's much better than the Steel Shaper's Gift because it's one white and it's at instant speed. So that's obviously very helpful. Uh, Stoneforge Mystic, um, price very high. Obviously, it's an eternal staple. Sees a lot of legacy play uh, for one and a white. She just ETBs to go tutor up an equipment into your hand. Very powerful. It's a tutor effect. You get a body. And then her activated ability is very powerful. For one and a white and tap her, you can just put an equipment right on to the battlefield from your hand. So when you're dropping big five, six cost equipments... <laughs> In at the price of two. Yeah. You're holding back more mana to pay their equip costs. Obviously very powerful for a reason. A very good card. Um, Batter Skull. Extremely powerful enchantment. Or, not enchantment. Equipment. equipment. Uh, again, sees, normally that's the play you see in Legacy. Uh, play Stoneforge. Tutor up my Batter Skull. Mm-hmm. Um, on the higher end of land, uh, Nykthos Shrine to Nyx. Uh, I recommend it. Playing an Arctic... Uh, equipment artifact heavy deck. The fact that it taps your colorless normally doesn't end up hurting you. Yeah. And if you are your battlefield, if your board is got enough presence, being able to use its secondary ability of tapping for more white mana than what you're putting into it is obviously very powerful because you're going to want ramp uh, in EDH. Um, overall, in my time playing the deck, and I'm, I mean, Jeff playing against it. It's it's a fun deck. It's it's fun, but it's not it's not terrible. It's good, but it's not to the point where you dislike playing against it. It's just one of those decks that it's it's just legitimately good, but it's still fun. It, it's to put it. I mean, not to hate on blue players or combo players. It's, it's very very fun fair. Yeah, fair fun. Uh, the deck is interactable. I mean, I have to cast my equipments, I have to attach them. Uh, it's only under best circumstances that I'm not necessarily doing that. Uh, I mean, it's tapping creatures sideways. It, it gives your opponent a lot of chance to interact. You have a lot of moving pieces. Just so it's just one of those decks that, very beginner-friendly, gotta, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not too complicated. Most people will understand it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a good jumping-off point. So, I mean, a big props to Wizard. It's, 
wizards. Yeah. For I think there's more than one wizard, probably. I mean, <laughs> there are a lot of creature-type wizards. I mean, That's you can true. play tribal wizards in EDH. That's true. Um, so, big ups to them. The whole C14 line did a good job of making these decks that are fun and interactable without necessarily being overly oppressive. And in all honesty, I don't think we're seeing a mind disease like uh, situation like we did with True Name Nemesis yeah. in Jaleva's deck, who we managed to pull. Um, so yeah, that is a uh, that's that's Nahiri. Uh, overall, you know, a fun, good deck, still strong, and gets even stronger once you make a, a couple pretty good switches. Yeah, and it has Tyler's "It's White" stamp of approval. <laughs> So yeah, that is uh, this week's Commander's Corner. I thought we were called Junk Rare. No, the segment is called Commander Corner. We'll take a look. You, you didn't run this by me. You should like not uh, just come up with segment names without talking to me. You know, sometimes I like to. You know, just... I'm, I'm sitting here with a maverick flying by the seat of his pants. <laughs> just ah, uh, Commander's Corner, yay! I mean, I like it. I would have approved it. I just wish I'd known. Well, sometimes you know, you just gotta gotta. Why, did I, why am I podcasting with this guy? This is see, you see. What I have to deal with audience. Calm down, Pinky. It'll be all right. Hey, man. <laughs> I actually don't want that to catch on. It's kind of rude. All right. Do you think that'll uh, wrap it up for us uh, today, though? Uh, I think, I mean, we've been, I mean, our podcast has been running pretty well. I think this is a good first episode. Me too. Uh, We hope you all enjoyed it very thoroughly. We, Mm -hmm. we, I, I'm not sure if I'm speaking for Jeff, but I had a blast. This was a lot of fun to do. I'm glad we took the step, went out of our comfort zone and did it. I'm sure you had a blast too. Definitely. Um, but, uh, why don't you take us out here then? Sure. All right. Yeah. Uh, we just want to say, you know, thank you guys for tuning in to listen. Uh, you can hopefully find future episodes on MTG cast and iTunes. Otherwise you're not going to be able to listen to us. And I don't know how you're listening to us right now. Um, so, you know, be sure to, uh, subscribe, leave a comment, you know, let us know what you thought of it. You know, any suggestions, anything like that. If you hated it, that's fine, too. We'll just cry a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and after <laughs> we're done crying, we'll probably look at the criticism and uh, try and make it better. Because, yeah. of course, we want you to listen. Yeah. But but th- there will be crying. Yeah. Don't make us cry. Don't make us cry. Um, also, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at MTG MTGJunkRares. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Tyler, what have we got uh, scheduled for next week? Well, we have a lot of things scheduled. I mean, obviously, another commander corner, I'd imagine. Uh, <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. Another random commander. Obviously, uh, more stories. And I think we'll be doing the same thing that we're going to try and do every week, and that is try and take over the world. <laughs> All right, guys. It was fun. We'll talk to you next time.